The calendar has flipped. We're into August. You know what that means. Training camp is on the horizon as we bring you into In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by The Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Our feature interview is another transition of sorts, but this one from college to the professional ranks with Clay Stevenson. We're going to get into that. The Washington Capital prospect is going to sit down with Kevin Woodley. We also have our gear segment, Talking Twigs, over at the Hockey Shop, uh, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. And with uh, September within our sights and training camp and getting back into a routine, we've got a few quiet days left. We can probably count them on one hand. So it's an opportunity over at Ingle as we bring you in the, the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, a chance to uh, maybe cram in the final couple of days uh, that we have left uh, over at Ingle Magazine. Woody. Honestly, like, is there a better spot, frankly, to get ready for a hockey season than IngleMag.com? I think not. And obviously, I'm a little biased. But it's been interesting as we talk to some of these new guys. You know, we had Charlie Lindgren on the podcast last week. We got Clay Stevenson this week. And as we start to sort of introduce ingoalmag.com to some of these guys, because they maybe weren't familiar with it, and they recognize like just how much stuff is on there. Like, what are we up to, Hutch? Like six, seven hundred articles, like pro tips, pro drills, pro reads, equipment segments. We'll have a, a review on the new Bauer Connect skates up pretty soon to go along with. Uh, the hockey shop video that we did for last week's podcast. Like, there's a ton of stuff here. If you are a young goalie, if you are a goalie parent and you want to better understand the position and get better at playing it, honest to God, like we, I do these pro reads and we're about to unleash a new batch in the, in the coming months with a whole bunch of NHL goalies that we're, we're working on getting here through August and into the start of the season. Like, there is no better way to get better at reading the game and reacting to the game and understanding the cues of the game that can help you make more saves than ingoldmag.com. Like literally NHL guys telling me what a great resource. NHL directors of goaltending saying that they ask people in their staff to listen to the podcast every week and check out the articles. It is all online at ingoldmag.com. And for 50 bucks a year, Canadian, which is like two cups of coffee in the States, um, you get access to everything we do and a whole bunch of new stuff. We're up in Kelowna next week for Net360 on the ice with NHL goalies, NHL and American Hockey League goalies and goalie coaches. All those drills will bring you back. Like just a crap ton, frankly, of great goaltending information. If you're a student of the game or if you should be a student of the game, there is no better place to study the game than ingolmag.com. And that is my soapbox, and I'm now stepping off it. <laughs> and I, I couldn't agree more. It feels, as you said, Darren, it feels like cram time, doesn't it? We're sort of three weeks out here from training camps starting up and people trying to make teams or solidify spaces on teams, and you're trying to grab all the extra ice you can. If you're looking for that little advantage, whether you're a goalie parent or you're a goalie, go to ingoalmag.com become a member. There is no better resource. Like really, I was uh, up at Eli Wilson's camp a couple weeks ago in Edmonton. Every single time as we're sitting there in the meetings, going through video with the kids, talking about important technical things, just about every single time, I'm just sort of squirming at the back wanting to say, yeah, we got an article on that one. Why don't you go watch this one? Here's a great example, guys. 
There's so many things there. I know parents go out, they want to buy the best stick for their kid. They want to buy them some new skates. They want to buy them some new pads. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. What a great investment for your kids. Woody was talking about the pro reads. There are 135 pro reads up for members to see right now. So you become a member, 135 pro reads for you to sit down, learn from NHL goaltenders how they made their saves. Another 52 coming with your year's membership as well, because you're going to get a new one every single week. New technical tips every time the pro drills come out or the pro tips come out. Just an incredible resource. And it's like the cheapest thing you can buy to become a better goaltender. And I don't think there's any better power, Woody. It's like a skate sharpening card for like three or four months for crying out loud. Like 50 bucks. I didn't realize that. 135 pro reads. Are you kidding me? That is 135. NHL goaltenders sitting down reviewing saves with us and walking you through. Remember those first ones with Kerry? Like it was like mushroom clouds going off in my mind as he explained all the different details that he sees in real time. If you're a young goaltender and you want to learn how to read the game, seeing and looking for the cues that NHL goaltenders seek out, what hand a guy is, how he's holding his hands. Uh, does he have a one-time option on the pass or does that puck have to go across his body? How that affects your push path. Uh, the way you come across the ice. Can you hold your feet? Do you need to come across in a slide? What cues you look for? NHL goalies, Carey Price, Freddie Anderson, Carter Hart, like 135 different weekly segments of video, sit down, video review sessions with NHL goaltenders, all yours, plus the next year, so another 52 for 50 bucks Canadian. I know we're off on a bit of a tangent here. I'm a little fired up. Frankly, I don't know what you're doing if you're not subscribing to ingoalmag.com. So there's my rant for the day. I'm done. I'm out. No, no, that was a double rant because you ranted and then hutch talked and then you ranted again. I'm on a ranting mood. What can I say? We got nothing else to talk about. It's a dog day, so I'm on a rant. Well, I didn't realize that you guys were uh, so significant. I, I feel bad that I make fun of you every now and then because uh, listening to all that, uh, it is. It's a, it's a no-brainer uh, to be involved in uh, the premium uh, member of Ingle and all the the, the pro—I'm I'm kind of torn. Like, the pro reads are great, but it's the, the drills— and, and listening to goalie coaches go through this that I can really dive into and kind of put myself into, into that perspective and use some of that. As a men's league goaltender, we know that there's a lot of rec league goaltenders. Yeah, and it's not just the drill, because you're not signing on to learn a drill that you can put into practice. You're signing on to learn all those little tips that the coaches are bringing to their goaltenders in the drill. What is it that we're trying to reinforce? How do we want them to play this situation in a game? There's always a hidden nugget as we're editing one of those pro drills. And I want to say, Woody, I think you buried the really key part here. Six paragraphs in. I'm so excited when they talk about whatever that point might be. It feels like every pro drill could be four articles on its own. Um, just love it. And I love this time of year because we're getting all that great new content and getting a chance to share it with everybody out there. And I will a little little caveat, like as the, all this content comes in in the summer, like I said, Hutch, uh, at the Eli Wilson goalie camp, I was up in Kelowna for a couple of days uh, with Eric Comrie and a couple of guys were heading up next week. Uh, James Reimer, Martin Jones, Clay Stevenson, who's on the podcast this week, will be on the ice with us all week. Uh, NHL goalie coaches Thomas Spear, um, Richard Bachman, like 
it's a little tough right now. We don't get the articles up quite as fast as we'd like because we're so busy collecting it, but it's all coming. It's like, it's just going to all be there at once. So there's lots of great stuff coming at ingoldmag.com. And like you said, even if you're a new subscriber and you got to wait a couple of days for a new article, as Hutch said, like 135 pro reads, um, pro drills, pro Over 600 tips. articles. Yeah, there's over 600 articles on there. So yeah, a little shameless plug at the beginning of this one. Um, but we're actually kind of proud of what we've done here. There's a there's a lot of stuff on there for goaltenders and goalie coaches. I, I think the best indication of what we built here at ingolmag.com for goalies is the fact that we have well over 150 professional goalie coaches right up to the National Hockey League that subscribe to our product. If they're learning from ingolmag.com, why aren't you? That is the best summarization that I could have uh, come up with. Like you didn't need three rants for that, and it's up to three. I just took me the. Th- no, I, I got no, to no, it on no, the third one. You got a third Darren. one in there. I buried the lead. Yeah, yeah. You, I buried the lead. You, you got a third one in there. Uh, that's awesome. And and you're you're so busy and also fitting in your trips over to the hockey shop. And let me tell you, where do you want to be right now? Back to hockey sale is on at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com right now. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about the newest gear. So CCM Axis 2, Bauer, Supreme Mock, and you know what's coming, sales on CCM Axis 1, sales on Bauer, uh, the last Supreme generation, the ultrasonic generation, those are 20% off. I was looking the other day, the back to hockey sale, and don't forget, we've got a move coming at the hockey shop. We tease that a little bit in the next couple of weeks talking with Cam. Um, but they're moving locations, so they've got to blow out inventory. There are some great deals to be had. If you're not obsessed with having like this year's brand new, just on the store, latest inventory, uh, you're okay with last year's models. And truthfully, in a lot of cases, there's like absolutely, especially when you can save 20% and more. And you can do that now with the back to hockey sale at the hockey shop. If you happen to be blessed like me and Hutch and live sort of on the west coast of Canada. Good for you. Check them out in person. If not, check them out online at thehockeyshop.com. That's my route uh, with Cam and company. You don't even have to live on the west coast of Canada, guys. I got an email from one of our listeners in Perth, Australia. RJ Jacobson, new goaltender at age 53, is coming back to Canada to visit family in Calgary and he's making a detour to Vancouver so he can go see Cam at Goalie Utopia. Just love it. That's Sent a, a hell of a detour. How, isn't it? Isn't it? But that's what it means. He says he can't wait to meet Cam, and he's got, quote, delusions that Woody will be there to help me out. So Woody, you might have to get down there, down there when RJ's in town. Love hearing from everybody. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, if you get a chance to send us a note, uh, leave something on socials. Love hearing from everybody. And honestly, when one when somebody like RJ writes in and says that they've learned something about being a goaltender, that we're a part of their journey and helping them enjoy it, uh, it just makes us all so happy and makes it a lot easier to do this yeah, work. Yeah, good it, job, guys? Jake. Uh, if Jake arranges to meet you over at the hockey shop uh, with Cam, get there early because it's already tomorrow where where Jake is. So you know he's he's ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah, he'll be there yeah. a day early. So if he I says guess. Wednesday, go go there. Go there uh, on, on Tuesday. All right. You know I'm I'm 100% going because the one place I've never been in life is Australia. So I need to meet somebody who can host me because I'm a little like 
that sort of bucket list material in terms of like as a as a wannabe tourist surfer, mm -hmm. like Australia is on that list. Although they got a lot of sharks, so I'm a little nervous about surfing there. But yeah, 100%, I'm meeting them at the hockey shop. If I can make that work in my schedule, I am there looking forward to it. Uh, and then one day I hope to uh, return the favor by dropping in on him in Australia, literally. Uh, Jake can look at the M5 Pro Sticks, uh, which has Woody and Cam back to their old selves. I was kind of worried. I, it was nice to see all the camaraderie of the last couple of uh, gear segments. Today, we're back to square one, where the Bickersons are in town. So, RJ, you may have to get in there and split them up. It's a good one. At the Hockey Shop, uh, source for sports area, thehockeyshop.com. Here's our gear segment with the M5 Pro. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv and a couple new twigs. This one in Cam's hand, you've seen before. You may recognize the sleek back side, backside camp, backside of it, the Ergo Bridge technology with the cutout to reduce the weight. Baby brother in my hands is missing that. This is the Bauer Supreme M5 Pro, the second price point stick in the new mock series on the Bauer Supreme line. Cam, other than the fact we don't have the Ergo Spine or Ergo Bridge as it is now called on this model, walk me through some of the differences uh, weight differences, price point differences is a big one for this one. Mm -hmm. Why I'm choosing this stick relative to a mock stick beyond the price. Um, what are some of the differences in feel, technology, weight? Go. Well, in all honesty, a lot of it is going to be based off of the price point because yes, you are saving hundred bucks uh, right off the bat in terms of a price point difference between the two sticks. Um, no, you don't see the Ergo Bridge on the back, so you still have a little bit more of the traditional Supreme uh, rounded paddle. We still are getting um, their blade, the exact same blade that you are finding actually in the Moss stick itself. You can see that carbon fiber, the way it's weaved, the way they, on um, both the back and the front. I mean, you're gonna cover that beautiful look up with tape most likely, but you can, just a good visual call out for the fact you get that technology package in the M5 Pro, the same one you get in the mock. Correct, correct. So in terms of for overall feel wise, you are gonna get a similar pop out of the stick itself. It is a little bit stiffer in terms of for overall rigidity. Um, that Ergo Bridge does give it a little bit of flex. Um, the word we were looking for was Aero Core into the blade itself. Um, that was the one that so can sometimes be a little bit of a tongue twister. That's why we come to the experts here at the hockey shop and hockeyshop.com to yes. get the proper technology and the proper way it, it plays. Yes, so only available in P31 um, size and curves. There is a 24 inch senior stick as well. So something that we uh, have been seeing a lot of in terms of a trend is guys sizing down their paddles just a little bit more. Um, Sorry, you wanted to steal it from me. I, I just like the feel of it. It's a really nice stick. Uh, when we talk about sizing, is this much like Bauer's other sticks? Have we have we sort of reduced the height of this relative to other ones, or is Mach a longer shafted stick? So uh, same overall shaft uh, length when it comes to Supreme sticks in particular. So they have remained the same. So it's um, the Hyperlite over on the Vapor side that has the, three the shorter. Okay, so there, that's a good call out for people to know. So not everybody, especially if you're a taller goalie, might be looking for that shortened stick. Not everybody wants the shorter stick. Some people do. If you're looking for that longer shaft, 
Bauer Supreme M5 Pro and the mock will give it to you. Correct, and like I said, excellent price point. So who's it for? Um, Honestly, really, anybody. <laughs> I, I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Like we see, uh, as much as uh, the Ergo Bridge uh, is a really nice call out and cuts weight and does a lot of good things, right up to the National Hockey League level, we tend to see more of this type of model with the complete back compared to the. Ergo. This chemical makeup has actually been around for quite a long time, actually, at the NHL level. We have a couple of pro returns that are based off of what they call the 2S Pro Light, which the stick is somewhat based off of as well. Um, similar technology, similar specifications that are going into it. So yes, this stick, all levels of hockey, great feel, great performance value, obviously a little bit heavier than what you're gonna find in that mock stick. However, obviously we do have to make a bit of a change somewhere for that $100, so. Okay, so we've got limitations in terms of uh, the Curve P31. A reminder folks, you can go back and check out our video on how that compares to uh, some of the other, you know, names of curves in other brands, Warrior, uh, CCM, what a P31 actually is. Uh, it's got a really nice graphic package on it, Cam. Are custom colors available? Are different colors available? Or is this pretty much what you see is what you get with the yeah, M5? There are different colors available. Uh, no custom options, unfortunately. But uh, again, yes, yeah, some different colors. You can check them out at thehockeyshop.com or give us a call here at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Okay, so no custom is that can you order them in, say, a pack of three or a pack of six? Yeah, from our wall. Okay, there, see? <laughs> These are the questions I have. He is the guy that or provides Or you can just get just one if you like. I like to have, you know me, I mean, Hutch, Darren, they're always teasing me, we gotta have my warm-up sticks. It's more than a warm-up stick, folks. It's, it's a more beauty. than a warm-up stick. It's a beauty, it's a lower price point, uh, it's a good deal. It's on sale now, not on sale, it's just available now at thehockeyshop.com or here in person at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. If you've got any questions about this stick compared to the Hyperlite series, compared to the mock higher level stick, whether it's price point, the way it feels, how much it weighs, Cam has all the exact details and would love nothing more than for you to call and bug him or other members of his staff before you buy it for yourself. Cam, where can they get a hold of you? If we rewind back, you know, a couple seconds, uh, I already said 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or at the www.thehockeyshop.com. I evidently wasn't listening. I apologize for that, Cam. I need to do a better job of listening to you when we're having these conversations. I will work on that. Amazing. I'm Make sure our viewers will love that. Make sure you check them out, folks, at thehockeyshop.com or at the numbers Cam just listed, or here in person at the Hockey Shop, Source for Sport. Like and subscribe. Oh yeah, subscribe, like, Notification bell. hit the Ding. buttons. Sometimes I wonder whether you guys remember what you're talking about, because you're so busy fixing each other's perceived blunders or mistakes, and then you're arguing over the stick. Uh, there, there's a lot going on with you and Cam. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a love hate relationship. Um, <laughs> mostly, mostly I love to hate him, but I'm just kidding. No, we love Cam. Um, probably it's me that screws up more often than not. And that's why I go to Cam for advice. And that's why I go to Cam for gear because he knows what he's talking about. His entire crew does. And I got to say, like, we talk about this a lot. I can't remember. It's been a little while since we recorded that segment, whether we, we tease it in there. Um, but I know it's coming up in the next couple of ones. Like, as much as we try and pump up Cam's tires, uh, the reality is he's really built an incredible staff there. 
And so when you go into the hockey shop uh, or when you talk to people through the hockey shop.com, whether it's phoning in or by email and it's not cam that's on the other end, man, they've really built up some, uh, some really good young goaltenders with a passion for the game. Some of them playing up to the junior level right now. Uh, there was one goalie that came to the Pete Fry seminar. Um, you know, these are guys, Cooper, yeah, guys that are really passionate about the game, trying to get better, understanding the gear is a big part of that. And so when you go in there, you get all that expertise and all that passion. And it's, it's not just Cam. So as much as I like to chirp Cam, he's done a really nice job building up a staff there at the hockey shop that will help you find the right equipment. Whether you're, whether you're going in there with your parent, you're going in with your little guy for his first set of pads, or you're heading into like major junior or junior, or you're just hitting that point where you're not even going to have to worry about ordering your, your gear. Somebody else is going to take care of it for you. They'll give you the answers to make sure you have the equipment that works best for you. It's no coincidence that when Bauer did its pro fitting uh, for the Connect Skates in Vancouver, it was at the hockey shop. Um, where all these goalies started flooding in in an early morning session to 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 get fitted for those new Connect skates. Uh, I just think they built something there, um, and that includes the staff and all the people that Cam works with. That you know, it really is special. So I like to chirp them. I like to make jokes about love hate, but the truth is, he's done a remarkable job, and his entire staff does too. We have an awesome conversation coming up with Clay Stevenson in our feature interview, brought to you by Sensorina. But just something you touched on uh, with the M5 Pro stick uh that it's a, a traditional paddle uh as opposed to the top of the line stick do you do you think some guys would choose the m5 pro just because it is that normal uh traditional looking stick as opposed to uh the newer design well i mean i think we've seen that in the national hockey league um you know i honestly i've got a couple sign sticks behind me that are bower sticks a couple generations old um but you know, certainly at a point where you could have, um, you know, the, uh, the cutout behind, yeah. behind the paddle where it's all thinned out and a lot of guys choose not to, uh, I remember Yaroslav Halak did go, um, you know, last year here in Vancouver, he used the one that, you know, like with the ergo spine on it, where, where the back of that paddle is sort of thinned out. Um, but a lot of guys choose not to. And so, you know, we, you know, I think we talked to touch on that a little bit in the segment, you did. like that, that's what right up think. to the national hockey league level, there are absolutely guys that, um, you know, ch- choose that model or that type of model ahead of the highest end one, just because they want that more traditional feel. And it just goes to show you like, you know, as, as, as incredible as the highest end stuff has become as technology evolves and the materials evolve and they put so much, not just research, but money into materials to make these sticks so light and so flexible and, and all the control you get with them. The reality is the second price point products are, are are like really, really good, good enough that they're being used in the national hockey league. And so um, probably a good lesson there for kids and parents that it, you know, as much as we all sort of look at the highest end gear, the reality is there's a lot of quality going into the second price points as well. Awesome stuff. Uh, and it is a uh, personal preference, uh, but I love to see what Bauer's doing with the skates, with the sticks and pushing the envelope a little bit. We're seeing that with uh, all of the manufacturers with uh, different tweaks uh, going forward. And we're seeing that in our feature interview this week by being uh, maybe, um, I want to call it, reserved uh stoic in his approach to what he had to decide between staying in college 
and going pro in Clay Stevenson. Uh, he'll explain it in more detail, Woody, uh, with your uh, conversation. But it's uh, it's a really interesting uh, look that he took uh, to be, try and make this uh, life decision. Yeah, there's a lot that went into it, um, and he, obviously he'll get into it in this discussion. Quite a, quite an open discussion for a guy that we've only met once. I just loved how you know um, forthcoming he was, like willing to share all these details and including. And I think Hutch, I think we need to move this into Sense Arena. Like as much as I enjoy. Um, being able to stop pucks as much as I think being able to track pucks and see releases helps me as a goaltender. Um, could we add Clay Stevenson turning pro mode and you get to go for breakfast with Henrik Lundqvist? Like, I'm not sure who's going to take that first me or my wife, but for sure somebody wants the, uh, Henrik Lundqvist go to breakfast to try and try and recruit you to go play for the Rangers, which is a story that Clay will tell later on in this interview. But honest to God, given how realistic sense arena is in terms of stopping pucks, I kind of feel like they they're missing a boat there. They could sell like breakfast with Henrik Lundqvist and everybody would line up for it. Hutch, it's like the metaverse, right? You, you put on the, the headset and you get to go for, for breakfast with Henrik Lundqvist and then stop pucks in sense arena. I just feel bad for Woody that he's probably going to finally get that breakfast with Henrik and he's going to show up wearing his Oculus headset <laughs> thinking it's uh, Sensorina time. Not that Woody would ever do anything awkward. Hey guys, Sensorina, it's uh, it's a great time of year. We were just talking before about three weeks till camp, three weeks till the season starts. What are you doing to make sure that you're ready? I'm sure you've all been working really hard this summer, but now you want to put those finishing touches on. Get a subscription to Sensorina. Get your Oculus. Get rolling, guys. Sensorina.com. Grab Sensorina so that you can be on the virtual ice every single day from now until camp. You can be facing shooters that are better than any you're going to face in camp this year. You can be learning to play against the power play. You can be dialing in your eye-hand coordination. You can be testing systems you could be working on some of those details with your gloves you've got you're you're looking for that advantage heading into camp over the other guy who wants your position the other girl who wants your position sensorina might be that little bit of a difference for you so head over to sensorina.com sign up today use the code igm50 and you'll get a further discount on top of whatever is the best thing being offered by sensorina today and hey don't forget they have an app also so go into the app store Grab that app. Even if you're not a Sense Arena user, there's new content up there all the time that will help you become a better goaltender. And just like in goal, the team over at Sense Arena, that's what they want to do. They want to help you become a better goaltender and enjoy the position more than ever before. Sense Arena, guys. Hey, that applies to beer leaguers too. Like I'm like looking at oh, 100%. I got like three weeks till my season starts here and have not had a chance to be on the ice nearly as much as I normally would this summer for a variety of reasons, 100% I'm dialing into Sense Arena because there's nothing worse than getting off to a slow start and then you got to dig your way out of that like save percentage in the 800s, which is a territory I'm very familiar with. Like Sense Arena, I don't care what level you play at, it will make you a better goaltender. Yeah, yeah. Full disclosure, though, for the beer leaguers out there, guys, it's largely hand-focused so if you try the pad stack or the skate save, it's it's going to be a problem in Sensoria. They're not quite there ready for the beer leaguers to be thrown. Once again, Woody stacks. lost me when he mentions his save percentage, which implies that his league keeps track of shots, which they do, which is we unlike do. any other beer league I've ever seen. 
Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. They actually pay yeah. a guy to make That's, the goalies uh, feel good. Good on them. Uh, no, let it. me tell you, they don't count shots very well, but I go over to that penalty box and I tell them to start adding a few <laughs> to my total. Thank you very much. Isn't it the worst, though? I wish they didn't. Like Pete Fry in his seminar, he talked about how he doesn't want you watching the clock. And I, th- I remember it was Dylan Ferguson said he goes through a whole game yeah. without ever even looking at the clock, yeah. right? Because he's got to play the game the same way all the time. And there's Woody every single shot checking the clock. Did they get that one? Did they get I that one? I saw two on that, that sequence. You didn't get both. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that I've ever done that Well, before, I heard uh, Craig. Yeah, I know Craig Button and, uh, and Gord Miller talking about uh, shots and maybe being a little out of uh, sync uh, with what was actually happening on the ice at the U18s uh, in Red Deer this week. So it happens at, at every level, but they got to get the Woody, uh, Woody program, uh, talking to the shot clock operator personally. Yeah, no, no, I don't love it when they're kind of asleep at the wheel back there. And like (laughs) my favorite, I think my favorite one this year was like was game where like, like just inundated, like all over the place, like team at the end of the night was like, oh, like, like, it like just blitzed, had to be over 40 shots. And then you look online the next morning and like they just had like 18 shots per team. Mm -hmm. Like it's sometimes there's no point because if you're not going to bother actually watching then you can't bother counting so there's my rant for the day number four darren we're on four yeah, rants let's see if we can get rant. five yeah yeah the yeah. fourth drive rant. for five is alive folks uh and the drive for washington <laughs> is fully intact uh, with clay stevenson signing on you talk about a moment this guy goes from dartmouth uh at the end of the season and turns professional with the washington capitals and that story that decision uh, in the Sensorina VR feature interview coming up. But did you see where he signed the contract, you guys? With all of his teammates around him in the dressing room oh, in cool. Dartmouth. Uh, and they got a great photo of it. It's awesome. It was a cool uh, situation because he loves Dartmouth, loves uh, the the tie-in there and what they've done to uh, promote his career. A really cool situation. Well, and an, and another great example, too, if you're a late bloomer, guys. Yeah. Like if you, you know, maybe you're a young kid or you've got, you've got a young kid who's a goalie now who didn't play goalie for a long time. Wait till you hear what Clay Stevenson did in terms of goalie coaching and how long he went without any goalie coaching and and how quickly he is now signed with the National Hockey League team. It's, it's, you know, I, I maybe again, buried the lead a little bit here. Um, but it's in there. And the more I think about it, like that might be the most remarkable, like he's, a, he seems like a really remarkable kid. I'm looking forward to being on the ice with him again next week up in Kelowna. Um, I enjoyed watching him a couple of weeks ago when we got together. And I, every time I talk to him, I just, I come away impressed. But when you realize how little training he had for such a long period of time, and then how quickly he went from, oh, I got a goalie coach again to I'm in the National Hockey League, it's pretty remarkable. And there's probably some lessons and some takeaways. You know, probably good advice there for a lot of young goalies um, that, you know, maybe feel like, oh, you know, I didn't train all summer. I'm behind. Um, Don't worry. You're not. There's plenty of time to catch up. Clay breaks the traditional mold on our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. It's an awesome conversation. A lot of lessons in here. Enjoy. Excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio Podcast for the first time, Clay Stevenson, uh, now with the Washington Capitals, a guy who I just recently got to meet up in Kelowna doing some work on the ice a few weeks ago, but he's been in my backyard here in BC, so I sort of regret uh, that we didn't get to meet till after you signed with the Caps, Clay. It's, uh, it's good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Just thanks for having me. It's uh, it's, uh, it was nice to meet you a little bit ago and uh, looking forward to a great conversation. Well, looking forward to another week up there in Kelowna with Net360 next week. So uh, before we get to all that and the things you've been working on, like take me through what this last couple of years has been like. I mean, leading up to signing with the Capitals, you have a breakthrough final season, at least statistically um, from the outside. And I know that isn't always, you know, a, an accurate representation, but a breakthrough season statistically at the end of your BCHL career, you go to Dartmouth and your first year is wiped out by COVID. Another great year last year as you get back on the ice with Dartmouth and then the decision to turn pro. I mean, maybe start with that, like when the opportunity started coming in and when you had to start wrestling with that decision and how you ultimately made the choice to, to move on. Yeah, it's uh Definitely. I was actually thinking about that a little bit ago, how kind of quick my life sped up there. Um, it kind of all just started at the point of that 20 year old season in the BCHL. I mean, um, like my mom passed away and then I ended up having a great season and got a lot more looks from pro teams and a lot of other schools trying to kind of take me away from Dartmouth and um, I always knew I wanted to go to Dartmouth and stayed true with that and um, definitely one of the better decisions I I had ever made and going into Dartmouth and having that season cancelled I don't know if it was more of blessing in disguise if anything but I mean, I got great work in at Dartmouth. We were able to skate and it was kind of just a training year for me. I got a lot stronger. I got better on the ice. Um, like throughout the whole season, we were kind of able to skate in small groups and I got my goalie training in and leading into my second year at Dartmouth, it just all kind of correlated and hit the ground running and took every day as it came and every game and just try not to look too much into the future and what kind of what I could do after Dartmouth. And then pro teams started coming more and more. And in that second year or this last year at Dartmouth anyway, and ultimately made that decision to go with Washington. Now I want to get into, you know, sort of what that process is like, but there are a couple different threads there. I wanted to pull on a little bit like, uh, and the first one is obviously the 20 year old season, like uh, knowing how challenging that must have been mentally how'd you like where'd you find sort of the strength to pull through that um you know to to sort of i say overcome is the wrong word but that's a lot that's a lot to deal with that's a lot to deal with especially as a 20 year old i'm i'm 48 years old and i've recently had to deal with it and it's been so hard at at 20 i can't imagine it clay where'd you find that strength and and how'd you process it all yeah i don't know it's I mean, life just kind of happens. I mean, you take what comes at you with whatever emotions you can handle at that time and you just kind of move forward. I mean, my mom was always a big advocate of my hockey career and and whatnot. And um, she always wanted the best for me and always believed in me. And I mean, she passed on September 3rd and I played in our not a second game I think that year I I didn't play the the first game because I was I was just away dealing with stuff and um I played one of the best games of my life coming back um after my mom passed away there and I got a 39 save shutout in Surrey and I kind of just from that game I was it was it was just clear and concise and 
the game just seemed it just seemed easy i don't know i just had a different mindset i i don't know what it, what it was about that event but it kind of just it, it put everything into perspective for me more more than anything i think i didn't really the game didn't weigh as much on my mind day to day i just every day i just wanted to go in and have fun and and do the best i could i was with my friends and i wasn't really worried about what was going to happen at the end of the season or what was going to go on at dartmouth it was just yeah it was just easy for me at that point it was hard but but easy if that makes it's really kind of an oxymoron there but i mean that's the best way i could explain it one of the things we hear goaltenders talk a lot about is being sort of present uh, in the moment, not looking towards the future, not thinking about the past, um, and just going out and playing. And, and quite often those things are really easy to say and really hard to do, but it sounds like throughout that process, you discovered that. Like It sounds like you were just going out and playing. Does that sound like a fair representation? Have you been able to sort of carry it forward, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. That year, I remember, I also like, I had so many, so many people around me, uh, my teammates and and whatnot, uh, my family to my billets and to help me through that, that process. And everyone was just so supportive and, and just wanted, just, we were acting normal around me. It wasn't anything crazy, you know, it's just, you have a death in the family. And from there you, you grief and it's hard and you you have to just go on and and be the best you can be and I mean she wouldn't want me to to dwell and feel sorry for myself and and go off on whatever rails that I could have went down you know but I mean just being with my team and being present every day and going in and having fun and a smile on your face and wanting to be there and get better. And our team was successful that year, very. And that, that also made it really fun to, to go to the rink every day. And we were, became a little family that year with that team. It was, it was real special, but um, over the course of that season, I, what were you saying like being present and kind of finding that um, there's always going to be stuff you carry with you onto the ice, but, it's kind of whether or not you can just funnel your attention into a specific niche. Um, I always use the analogy that goaltending or kind of anything is, is like driving a car. I mean, you have everything going on around you while you're driving. I mean, there could be people in your vehicle, there's music, the windows are down, you got lights to look at, you got other people on the road, you got pedestrians. I mean, so it could be crashes, whatever is going on. Right. But, you have a job to drive that vehicle and no matter what you're thinking about or doing anything, you have to drive the car and you got to drive the car safely and whatever. And you might make some mistakes behind the wheel, but more or less, if when you're driving your vehicle, you're, you're present, you're driving your car and you could have any other things happening around you, but the ultimate goal is driving the car and getting to your destination. So that's kind of how I narrowed it down and, funneled it into a way people can kind of perceive and and whatnot so yeah i like that i've never heard it so i've never heard that analogy come to it naturally or did, like because we see guys will take steps at various points and sort of find ways to achieve that 
Sometimes it's help with a sports psychologist. Um, you know, sometimes there's other triggers. Did you like? I just love the analogy. Is that something you came to yourself? Yeah, I was just driving to the rink one day, and I was thinking, well, I feel like this could be kind of correlated to to playing hockey. And um, yeah, just thought of it that way, and shared it with a few people, and seemed to like it also. And um, yeah, it's a little bit different way to think about the game and kind of what's going on around you because it's very similar. I mean you're playing goalie. I mean, there's people on the ice, there's everything happening. It's chaos. There's fans, there's music, there's horns. It's, it's a whole show, you know, and got to funnel it just to drive the car, <laughs> mind the net, you know, and mistakes happen, but you just have your reset and then you go. Now, have you p- picked up on some resets or is that the mindset, the reset? Cause that's another thing we've seen over the years. I mean, you're now a part of the Washington Capitals organization so one of the most famous ones we see now is the old you know remember the Holpe with the water bottle I think I got a I think I got a poster of it here or, or a photo on the wall here somewhere behind me but uh, what what's you, what reset have you discovered I mean it's just mental cues um I find a lot of people sometimes I mean they'll be in a game and their mind will wander right and they're being oh no they get upset because their mind wandered well it's not going to help you out in the long run. If you're just sitting there on the bench and your mind wanders, whatever, you know, you, you, before you go back out on the ice, you have to figure out a way to then cue yourself to get back into that mode to go play. And it's just, it's funny because after every whistle, I'll, I'll just say the same things to myself right before the puck drops. I mean, I'll smile, I'll talk with my friends, but before that puck drops, I'll have mentally recued myself to get back to that play. And whatever happens up until before that point is kind of mute, you know, or moot. I, I, I love it. And, and I mean, not to tie it into just coincidence that it's Holpe, but the sports psychologist he worked with for so so long, John Stevenson, we did a, we did a sort of mental training seminar with him a couple of years ago. And that was one of the things he said, like, everybody's attention drifts even the best goalies in the nhl their mind wanders the key is being able to recognize like don't get mad recognize it and find a way to pull it back absolutely yeah that's that was a definitely a big thing for me um it was something i was playing around with all through my junior career is just figuring out that whole routine and and whatever and if even going into your routine going into a game and whatever you have your in-game routines and more or less my mental cues are my in-game routine, but coming out to like a routine off the ice. I mean, some guys are superstitious and, and whatnot, but me, it's just, I, whatever I need to get in, I, I get in to get out there and feel the best on, on the ice. You know, it's just what I have something that's deviated. It, it's not an issue. You'll figure it out. I mean, you go to different rinks, it's, everything's going to be different. You know, you're not going to, exactly know where you're going to warm up or do your hand eye or something you got to figure that all figure that stuff out and find a way to go out then and be successful on the ice so it sounds like you're kind of a student of the position like it sounds like you're a guy that's look always looking for things has that always been the case or like maybe walk us through how you got started and sort of what led you to the path at what point did you sort of approach it in this way um yeah I mean I always loved learning goaltending I was always naturally pretty good at it growing up and 
over the years, I would listen to to everyone. I never had an issue with that and learning new things or I was never stuck in one way. And I think that helps a lot. I feel sometimes I, I don't, this isn't correct, but I don't know. It's sometimes I see goalies and they're a little too just robotic and have their thing. It's like, oh, I need to do this because this guy told me that. And you really have to just like pick and choose and feel what works for you and figure out for yourself because no one's going to give you that answer. It's because it's not a question of why there's 64 goalies in the NHL and 64 different ways to play it. You know, like, I mean, some guys play similar, but um, yeah, it takes a while to find what works for you. And um you try a bunch of different things if you don't like it and try it for a while if if it's still not working trash it you know it's like but yeah my whole thing was I it changes throughout the years I mean even this year I'll probably have a new thing I'm going to be doing and that has been worked out and something I like in my routines and I wouldn't really know where to start where my whole routine started but I mean just working through it through juniors I mean things get added things get taken away and then yeah the whole mindset to get right and to playing a game is that that one takes the longest because the whole my whole idea of it was I would just try to duplicate how I felt on a great day how I felt on a really good game you know and knowing that and staying at that baseline because you're going to go up and you're going to go down but if you're just going to stay at that one baseline it's it's hard to to go into it and if you've had a bad day or whatever didn't get enough sleep that night like you only got three hours and you got to go play this game now and it's hard to put yourself into a mindset that you're feeling good about it and for me it was more kind of a music thing Maybe because I would just like to f- listen to upbeat songs, things that would boost my mood, things that would make me feel happy walking to the rink and, and stuff. So I think that was a, a thing for me is mentally is music and yeah. Uh, any songs you can share or what would be the one right now that gets you in a good mood? I don't want to put your, your playlist on the, on the, you know, focus on it right now, but I have to ask. Yeah, absolutely. It, it changes so much depending on the kind of music I'm listening to at the time or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be the same song. It's just like a music that makes me feel nice. Like I would walk to the rink at Dartmouth with my headphones in and I'd just be like having a, like just strolling to the rink. You know, I'm not thinking about like, oh, we got this game, we're playing Quinnipiac. You know, I'm just, you're strolling to the rink. You're just, you're going to play some hockey. And this Bye. year, was, uh, this year it was Dysfunctional by Tech Nine. That was, that was kind of my song before I, uh, before I'd get into the rink. It's the song I'd listen to walking off the bus. And, and right as I was going into the rink, that's the song I was listening to. And now this year and this year it could be something different. I don't know yet. <laughs> Well, I, I'm one of the I'm one of the olds at 48 here, so I'm gonna have to look that up. To be perfectly honest with you, I was hoping it'd be something with two daughters that I would actually recognize. They yeah, no, different, different musical. Yeah, band. yeah, dysfunctional by Tech Nine. No, it's a good song. It's upbeat. Right. It's a rap song, but it's good. Now, the other side uh, of this is like forget that. Well, not forget the mental, but moving past the mental and into the sort of the technical. And what's that evolution been like? Because again, it sounds like. Sounds like you're a tools in the toolbox guy, like expose yourself to as many new things 
over time, figure out what ones work best for you. Does that sound like a fair statement? And where did that exposure come from? Was it a lot of goalie coaches? Were you watching NHL guys you admired and picking things out of their game? How did that sort of process take place for you in terms of how you built your technical foundation? I think it's a little bit of everything, to be honest. I mean, um, growing up, I would always, I would watch goalies play and I'd be in the basement with my buddy and I'd strap on the pads and we'd just play around for a couple hours, you know? And from then it's, I started actually goalie training when I was probably 10 or so. Um, probably 10 to 12. I did some goalie training throughout those years um, when I was in British Columbia and then I moved back to Alberta. And then I didn't train till I was 16 again because I, when I moved to Alberta, I just, I was in Drayton Valley and I just wasn't doing goalie training. I was just playing hockey. Um, and then I kept, moved back to BC and that's when it kind of really started up that I wanted to be an elite level goalie. Um, so I started training and getting down my foundations and working on my skating and because I could always skate and whatnot, but I wasn't too good on my edges and whatnot. I was just really raw. Four years of no training is a big gap, you know? And I mean, I just, I didn't worry about anything. I mean, it was actually, um, this is really interesting about what my training and the physical stuff is. I don't know if you know who Robert Narwat is. You, yeah, and I'm trying to remember why that name rings a bell. Um, do, did we? He was a goalie, was he not? And did we? Did we lose him? Yes. Anyway, yeah, so he, I, that's why. Was yeah, he was a 99 born goalie. Um, we were kind of when I was 16 and coming back to BC. Him and I were kind of similar goalies. I mean, he was better than me by far at that time, and we were training together with performance goalie schools with. Uh, Joey Ali and um, I remember after the, our, one of our sessions I was like man you're doing really good like a lot better than me right now and your movement's sharp and I was just I was just giving him some compliments you know and um, he looked at me and he said thank you I appreciate that but he, says, he said don't worry about me he said worry about your worry about your movement worry about your game don't don't think you have to catch me or do any of that stuff and that really stuck with me and from then on I I just worried about the things I needed to work on, whatever it was, if I struggled with a movement in goalie training, I'd be in my practice and I would just work on that, work on it, work on it, work on it. I try not to work on too many things at once because then you just get jumbled and you'd rather perfect something than just do it half-assed and get a bunch of stuff in, right? And so, so anyway, that's was a big thing for me was not worrying about what other people were doing and just playing my game and worrying about getting myself better you know and from there it's just that whole thing coming just not worrying about anyone else my that's a that's a big one at a young age it is 100 because it's hard you're looking at the older guys the junior players like nhl goalies you're like oh like so cool like these guys are doing so well but yeah, it's just dialing that back is is definitely was a big thing for me. And I used to I the way I played kind of has changed throughout my my career too. Is I in juniors, my first couple of years, I would I was playing really fast and aggressive and kind of all over the place, right? Just I was just purely playing athletic. 
not really too positional. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously a little positional, but I mean, more or less, like it was just kind of a messy game. And as I got to like my 20 year old year, I kind of conserved my position and dialed it back and played the game a little bit smarter and more cerebral. And from there, it just, just added onto it. And you kind of have to learn at different stages, what's going to help you be successful at the next level. Cause stuff you get away with in the BCHL is not going to fly in the NCAA and then vice versa going like NCAA to like pro is you have to, you're going to have to change some things if you're going to be successful at those levels. So big one for me was when I came to college, I used to hold my glove way up here. Right. I was, I used to just swat at pucks and catch them, but now I play, play with my glove more down and to just come up to pucks instead and it wasn't too big of a change just bringing your glove down a couple inches and whatnot and but it helps you reach low for those low shots and helps keep you tight and I even this game even this year I would a big thing was not opening up and staying inside the posts and that gets really technical and whatnot and not sliding outside and but yeah like the whole physical thing is it's really interesting because you're never gonna you're never gonna stop stop doing physical things to get better. It's just you're always gonna be finding new ways to do something and adding to your game. And it's just something I've I've always been like. I never have said no to doing something a certain way. I've never been like, oh, I can't because this guy told me that. It's just you just have to pick and choose and add to your toolbox what you what you need and what's going to be successful okay so glove position now you got me super curious because uh, our audience our audience wouldn't have been able to see at home but you basically held it up sort of above shoulder height fingers up and interestingly enough like that's a conversation that i'm seeing a little bit like matter of fact nhl goalie coach was to telling me about how like one of the things they teach their shooters is to look for fingers up and when they see fingers up that's when it's time to go low glove because they're you know you have to turn that hand all the way down to the bottom how'd you discover that and how'd you get comfortable with like are you in more of a handshake neutral position now how, how has it evolved for you because i think those are little things that there's a lot of young goalies listening right now that maybe they're experiencing the same thing fingers up and they're getting beat low so clay stevenson walk, walk us through that evolution yeah i mean i would i remember just being in juniors and i like the only way i can really show this is getting up here so I'd be up here with my glove kind of high because I'd like to, to snap at pucks because I could see like right here. Getting in front of you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now I probably hold my glove. I hold it kind of right. If I'm in my stance, I hold my glove kind of right off my knee a little bit. I, I was in more of like a neutral handshake position, but I'm kind of moving towards like a little bit downwards onto the puck um being still being low like kind of off my knee um just so i i don't have to swing my my glove open to get at pucks or swing it open to come up top i'm just like i'm just coming down on pucks or going at pucks like so that's i guess the biggest change i've kind of made in my glove position as of late but um I like it, but you're still able to keep it out in front of you, right? Like, it's not like it's down there and you're, you're not turning on pucks. Uh, no, no, no. I don't have my gloves back. They're 
if you watch me play, I play with my hands really out forward. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird changing things in your stance. It feels foreign. Like, you know, you bring your glove down four inches. That's a big change, you know. Um, and then you kind of have to learn where your coverage is and how you're going to get at pucks. And it's a whole learning thing, too. And that's a big thing, too, is the learning curves when it comes to, to goaltending. Because anytime you're going to try something new, it's not going to work like that. It's it's a frustrating period. And it's I mean, I've had my arguments with goalie coaches and whatnot. And but it's it's all about just keeping your head level and just knowing that it's it's a process to it's not going to happen overnight it, it'll take months to, to to get down sometimes if you're doing something new so is it important to understand the why like i think a lot of guys with the hand up like we, we i mean henrik lundquist were crying out loud like one of the reasons he talked about going glove up like that was as a smaller goalie benny wanted him to sort of visually take away that space because shooters were looking there and all of a sudden they looked up and they saw the glove and maybe they went somewhere else like there's always reasons for it it sounds like when you're working with coaches there's it's not just hey you tell me what to do and i go do it but it sounds like you got a lot of back and forth and it sounds like you're a guy that wants to understand why 100 percent. and what's the point of being out there learning if you're not gonna understand the why you're doing something why why shouldn't i be able to teach what i'm doing to someone else you know but yeah it is it is interesting like how different guys play and whatnot and it's it just works for them you know it's exactly what you said lungfist has this club kind of like that it, it worked for him he was one of the best goalies ever you know <laughs> and um but i find too what is something is working with a different goalie coaches you kind of have to protect your game a little bit and it's not it's not being arrogant or anything and i've talked about this with lyle a few times now and um i'm always going to be a guy that will challenge an idea you know i like to have a conversation about it and i want to know why i'm doing this why this will work and i like to i need to see the video of how i'm looking doing this and is it different from what i was doing previously and i like to see the correlations of what'll work and what doesn't work and that's a bit been a big thing is working with different goalie coaches growing or moving through the years um is my game hasn't really changed too much there's just been small things added or taken away you know it's my game still my game it's just you just you pick what like from something somebody's trying to teach you you learn that and if you think you need that you learn it if you don't then maybe it doesn't work for you but yeah that's been that's been something i've noticed is no one's really tried to change my game more or less because i protect it probably but it's just if they explain to me why this will work and why I should make this change, I will ultimately work with them to make that change. You know, it's well, not just, that, oh, do this because you'll do whatever, you know, it's like, I need a why to change something. Well, there's value there. I mean, we've heard this over the years and you're going to run into it in pro hockey. I mean, um, new coaches, right? Like sometimes, sometimes the reality of pro hockey is you end up bouncing around a little bit, sometimes even within the same organization and you can get different ideas, but you, need to be i think open talking to goalies over the years and goalie coaches open to trying new things but also like you said you have to understand your own foundation and if you 
mean, we can get to a point as a goalie where you start chasing change for the sake of change, and that's a dangerous place to be. Exactly. And you gotta, you gotta, if you've made it to a next level, you have to know what made you successful to get to that next level. And you gotta, you have to know that you're good enough to get up there and you just might have to make a little bit of changes, you know? So I want to look back. You said between the age of roughly 12 and 16, no goalie coaching. So you're just out there playing. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. There are some goalie coaches right up to the NHL that would hear that and they'd be like, Ooh, let me take a look here. Cause there's, you know, and this is a discussion that might irk some goalie coaches, but the reality is there is at least some out there that believe maybe we get a little too institutionalized in that age bracket. And sometimes even younger with all goalies doing the same thing and looking the same way and learning the same things. Do you look back now and see value in those four years? where you had to sort of be self-taught, be master of your own game and, and what it meant. And I'm guessing in some ways, learn to just go out there and play and read the game as opposed to techniquing your way through a game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if it was, if it was up to me, I probably would have been training during that time. But okay. that's how it was kind of worked out. I just didn't, you know? And yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I was, it was in my bantam years that I had moved to back to Alberta. Um, so I played my two bantam years um, and then one year of midget in Alberta there. So yeah, I don't know if it was like 12, yeah, roughly 12 to 16, but yeah, I mean, no, no goalie coaching for a long time is, is, is interesting. Cause I was, I was just there and I'd, I didn't even think I was ever going to go play pro hockey. You know, I, I was just like, hockey's just hockey now, you know, this is, it's what it is. And I, going into my midget year after I, I was so close to quitting hockey because we were just like, I was going to be playing on the midget, whatever team in Drayton Valley there. And it was more or less like house hockey. I mean, we traveled and stuff, but it was fine hockey, but it wasn't, major midget or like anything higher like that you know i mean so i i wanted to quit before that year because i was like ah, i'm like why am i playing hockey now <laughs> and then i fell back in love with it during kind of that year i was like ah I, like my buddies are playing i just want to play and have fun and you know whatever you know <laughs> then like it really switched when i moved back to bc and i really started training because um then I found I I figured out that I I could maybe do something with it as I, I, I didn't know what it was going to be but I just I wanted to give it a shot I wanted to get as as good as I could I had no rhyme or reason I just wanted to get better at the position you know I I had goals to I wanted to play college hockey I knew that I mean but I had no idea how I was going to get there I just said I'm going to get as good as I can and hopefully it works out I'll get good grades in school and hopefully I, I can go down to the NCAA and that, that was just, that was the goal. I was just get as good as I can and do well in school. And then it led me to Dartmouth and kind of worked out, you know, and it kind of has. Yeah. Yeah. But going back, I kind of got off on a tangent there going back to like no training and whatnot. I feel like there's a fine line when you're young like that, you can right. train and be great, you know, and it's, it's all good, but I don't think, I don't think when you're younger, kind of like that that hockey really needs to run your life I explore other sports like I ran track all through high school um 
I played baseball growing up. Like I did, I did everything. And like during one of those times when I was in Alberta, where I wasn't doing any formal training, like once the season was over, my gear was away till the start of the next season, you know? And that's just how it went. And I'd get back and get right back into it and I'd feel fine. You know, I was still athletic. I was still in shape. Like it was all good. And I didn't, there was no, at that time for what I was doing, there was no need for me to, to go train outside of what I was doing at the time. So in the long run, did it slow my development? Probably. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, like I still ended up getting to, a point not a lot of people get to do so i i don't think there's really any secret formula to what you can do it's just if you're enjoying it if you're having fun doing it if there's a purpose to why you're training and doing well in school if you're if that's what you want to do great if you don't then i'm sure you'll be fine either way (laughs) now i want to go to that first year at dartmouth where you didn't get to play because i think a lot of people have lamented the fact that there were no games i mean i've seen i know guys in minor pro that you know i know some guys in minor pro that still haven't been able to sort of get past the fact they lost that whole year and maybe dwell on it a little too much um but you, you sound like you found some real positives in that year maybe there's some good lessons there for kids who are maybe stuck in a situation where they're you know, obviously we don't want to go back to pandemic times, but you know, maybe they're not playing as much as they'd hope to that at that year, at that age. How'd you, how'd you find so many positives at a year where you didn't get to play any games? Yeah. I mean, the positives just came with w- the resources that were available to us at Dartmouth. I mean, we had right. our private gym, our private rink and everything we needed to train, you know, but the thing like a lot of lots of people were upset and like, oh, I'm not gonna know how to play. I mean, you've been playing your whole life. I mean, it's like getting out there and getting reps in and practice and working on your game and dialing things in. And yeah, I mean, obviously games are a lot different than practice, but you can still work on fundamentals of your game that can transition to to playing in a live game, you know? Um, and that was that was the whole purpose I had at Dartmouth that first year. I was, we got on the, I mean, in the fall before Christmas time, I probably only skated eight times. Wow. So not, um, yeah, not like we, the school just didn't allow us to get on the ice. It was ridiculous. Right. We, you could, we couldn't do anything. Then we finally got past Christmas and it opened up a little bit for us. And we were skating every day and we were getting real practices and mini games and, playing real life scenarios and I was doing my goalie training with Jason Tapp and he definitely revolutioned my game that year it was incredible it's the stuff we were doing just helped me so much dial in my game and be more square and patient on pucks and quiet feet and it was just the training it was it was just it was a silver lining to going into that was just my whole training up until the next season you know and that's that was the goal and that's what we knew what we were working towards and we may have not been the most successful team but you know we we were competitive with everyone and we were never out of any games you know it's just chances here or there you know and but it was yeah that that first year was great I mean it definitely took a lot of pressure off you we came in we it going into the second year we had already known what the school was like we knew what classes were going to be like we we knew 
like we knew the whole layout of Dartmouth by that time going into our second year. So that first year of not really playing kind of, I, I feel personally helped ease a lot of nerves for me because it wasn't, nothing was new. I wasn't coming into a new place to play like right away. It was every, everything kind of got eased into it. So in that perspective, it's, it was, it was good for me because it led to success this year. Well, J- Jason Tapp, I looked him up real quick. Obviously, the goalie coach there at Dartmouth, but also a guy who comes through the BCHL route and played hockey east at Boston University and now coaching. Um, so I want to give him some love for, you said, just changed your game. Can you give us a couple of, without having to give away all the different things you worked on, what, what were some of the focal points? Any, any takeaways that you're like, you know, yeah, more people need to know about this? Or was it, I mean, obviously, it's all specific to your game, but are there some examples you can share that you think might help others? Yeah, the first things that we worked on, we probably spent damn near the whole year working on angles because I I came to Dartmouth and we started working on these different kind of angles and how I should play stuff. And I thought I had no idea how to play goalie in the BCHL. I don't know how I was successful, you know. And so he's like talking about guys coming kind of down the dot line and he I I start playing now where. I, I give up the far side a little bit. So I, if a guy is coming down the wing, I will have, I will have the puck on my inside eye. And that's where, that's where I play the angle now. Cause I don't want to get beat short side. Cause it's, it's just, it's just a worse goal to give up, you know? Um, I find anyway, <laughs> that's how we talked about it. And so you make the guy work to pull it across you and then you can just move with them and you're right there. It's just, it eliminates a portion of the net. So we worked on that a ton and a lot of, lots of just control, staying, staying tight, dropping with your knees together. We, we went to the basics of like that whole year is just dropping and not spreading your knees apart, you know, just staying compact when you're moving and whatnot is, is the big is big keys we worked on um that whole year and coming in and it was it was really cool stuff and then the glove too bring my glove down was was a challenge for sure i was fighting him on that but it was you got to do what you got to do sometimes do you end up with their gloves a little more just out of curiosity not to go back to it too much but do you end up with them a little more balanced like blocker and glove and a little more sort of new both of them sort of at similar levels as opposed to we see a lot of guys sort of one up one down 100 percent. my gloves are definitely same levels the whole time i mean and goalies goalie coaches teach that they'll put a piece of wood across their arms and make them move you know and again it only helps just having yourself on the same plane I, it makes sense to me just having everything correlated <laughs> hundred percent, hundred percent. So we, we get through that year, you make all these strides, you have a great year this year. Now all of a sudden teams come knocking and you decide on Washington, but you know, I know, or at least it was reported. I mean, here in Vancouver, we heard a lot about uh, the Canucks being interested. I think I heard Seattle was interested. Uh, I also heard the Rangers were interested and I heard they pushed pretty hard. Like I heard you might've had the opportunity to maybe meet a guy who uh, a lot of goalies growing up, your age would have liked the opportunity to meet how how did that all come about it was it was great i mean um yeah that whole process it was long and lot lots of long phone calls with lots of people lots of meetings and trying to figure out if at like am i gonna leave 
this Ivy League institution to go play hockey or am I going to stay another year? You know, it's just it was a big decision for me because I went to Dartmouth for a reason. And that place holds a special place in my heart and the people I met there and and everything. It's it's something I can't really explain without going to the school. You know, it's a special place. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just it was a really long and emotional decision for me to to kind of work through and and decide on because not everyone gets to do that and right either either or like going to Dartmouth or going to play professional hockey like not a lot of people get to do those things and so I was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place for a long time whether or not I was going to sign or not but anyway we went down the kind of once the season ended and we did our our team we had our fun and whatnot and um, so I ended up going on a visit with my agent, Michael O'Rafferty. We went down to New York and Washington, and we could have gone other places too, but I feel like beforehand, as we were going on that trip, we kind of had it narrowed down to those two teams anyway, more or less. Um, but yeah, those were, they're incredible trips. I mean, the, the dinners, the, I, New York was incredible. I mean, it's just it's they put on a show for sure it was definitely hard to say no to that one I mean I had, had breakfast with Lungfist and dinners menus with my name on it and I'm on billboards it's it's cool stuff you know and like they then you go like going to Washington and everyone's just the feel of it was just family vibes and the whole philosophies they presented and whatnot is just then I get there and I I it, I couldn't say no, you know, it's, yeah. And I mean, I went back and forth on that one. I had a Google doc of just pros and cons and stuff. And like, you just, you have to put it in a tangible way somehow, you know? And Yeah. Cause I, cause to be honest with you, otherwise I'm having trouble getting past breakfast with Lundquist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, breakfast with the King might be the one that might sway me. So it's a good thing you made a list because I would have had trouble moving on past that one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I tried to, I tried to keep my, I tried to keep the showy stuff out of it. I mean, yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was something else though. Um, it, those trips were, those trips were amazing. I suggest anyone who is getting recruited to, to go on a trip. <laughs> We just we just raised the standard. Anyone who New York is now chasing needs to needs to offer up Lundquist, uh, you know, a meal with Henrik Lundquist, which is like every goalie's dream. I mean, over my shoulder, we got the autographed jersey. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan, so um, he's been, he's been good to us at Ingol over the years too. Did you guys talk hockey, or was it, was it more recruiting, or do you guys talk goaltending a little bit? Because he's always you're a Bauer guy too. I mean, here's a here's a guy who basically was a part of the revolution of goalie equipment in his relationship with Bauer. And now you're having breakfast with him. Yeah. I, I, we honestly didn't talk about that at all. We were honestly mostly just talked about life and the stresses of pro and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too much hockey. Honestly, it was just a conversation, you know? Well, but it's, it's not, it is a life decision, right? It's not just about the hockey part. It's a, it's a massive life decision. Absolutely. And that's a, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that people don't take, or I don't even know. 
I can't even say that because I literally just did this, but um, (laughs) I was like, I was going to say like coming into it, this is how I should have phrased it. Coming into it, there was a lot of different factors that I had no idea could play a role in the decision of signing other than just physically playing hockey, you know, like where am I going to live? What am I, you know, it's just, there's so many, so many things that go into a decision like that and signing pro and going into your job. Right. So, yeah, it, it, everything changes. It's, um, you know, it's interesting because I know guys that have been through that process and I, I can, I'm not going to name names, but I can cite examples where guys would go through it and there would be teams that would be like, we really like you, but we think there's some things we, you know, you're going to need to work on at the next level. And then another team was like, we really like you and we think you're fine as is. You don't have to change a thing. And, you know, I can think of one where they decided with the ones that, hey, everything's fine as is. And within three years, they weren't there anymore. Like, it's important to have an open mind and to listen to both sides of it, right? Everybody just tells you they love you. But if you're looking for development, you need some, you need to, like, did you have to hear some hard things about the next steps? Or were you willing to listen to those types of things? Was it important to be willing to listen to those types of things? That, hey, everything's not just roses here. It's not going to be the NHL next week. Yeah, exactly. Like I had, like I came into this decision with my eyes wide open, you know, it's like, I didn't want any fluff. I didn't want to, like, I came into it and I honestly, (laughs) some portions of like getting pampered and stuff and that it's just not for me. And, um, I, I just, I wanted to know like what was going to go on here. You know, like I came here for business meetings and whatnot and figuring out like what's going to go on. and. I wanted them to tell me like, where do I fit in the depth charts? Like, I want to know, like, and cause going into this year, like I don't expect to play in the NHL. I expect to probably start in the East coast league, you know, and work my way up, but talking to Washington and whatnot is they have built up within their organization. And obviously it takes a lot of personal responsibility to build yourself up in an organization, but with, the philosophy that Washington presented me is was really important in that decision making process because I felt as though going to that organization was going to help build within and they were going to not rush me and like just push me in the right directions until I can then fly, you know? So understanding there's a process and that there, even though that might mean starting at the bottom rung, in some ways sounds like it had a lot more value to you than just anybody saying, Hey, we're going to start you right in the AHL or we're going to like these opportunities or that opportunity are, are guaranteed. It sounds like you were the, you, you wanted it. You wanted the straight goods. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it. Now you end up, you ended up signing a, an ATO at the end of the year with Hershey, even though the Washington contract doesn't kick in until this upcoming season. Um, did you get a chance like practicing down there with Alex Westland, but you didn't get into any, any games. What was, so walk me through what that experience was like. Alex obviously has since moved on to the Red Wings, uh, a goalie coach that we like a lot. Like every time I get to talk to the guy, I learn something. What was that experience like in Hershey and, and working with guys like Fuchs and, and Phoenix Copley? You know, again, two other guys who have been on the podcast with us before who uh, were and, or been on the ice with Phoenix before up in Kelowna and, you know, just big fans of him as a goalie and a person. Yeah, Hershey was very positive experience for me and in knowing I had really made the right decision in signing pro like I get there and um 
the just everyone's so welcoming to you and whatever and you just come in and everyone's hockey players so it's you just act normal do your thing and you'll be fine but um just how you were how it's like treated coming in and being around them and being around Fuchs and Copley and seeing what their day-to-day is like and just yeah it was it was just incredibly positive being around there and working with Westy and getting to kind of work on a few finer details. And like, I went there, I didn't expect to play at all. So, I mean, like it was no shock. I just, I just, I honestly just wanted to be there, be around the team, be around the guys, get comfortable with the people in the organization for one. Cause I, that's a lot of, that's a valuable thing that I feel like people may not think about too, is cause like I'm coming into development camp now and I have met so many people in the organization that it's like, Oh, Hey, Clay, how's it going? And you meet, you meet the ATs and people in the business portion of it and, and whatnot. It just, it makes things a lot more comfortable for you. So I've kind of looked at that stint in Hershey on my ATO as like an internship a little bit um, I like that. before yeah. you start your actual job. So you're kind of just, you're in there, you're feeling things out and, getting to know people they don't expect too much out of you it's like um and then you can kind of show what you can do out there on the ice and yeah it's and show them who you are and be comfortable and yeah just meeting everyone that was the big thing was the relationships i was building from from that time in hershey so i love that mindset and i'm guessing you would have got to continue that a little bit minus alex uh who would have moved on by then but development camp um same type of thing like just approach get to know more people get to comfortable with the organization anything new introduced to your game that you're working on this summer out of dev camp um no nothing nothing new from from dev camp into into my game i mean more or less i'm right now i'm just working a lot on head trajectory stuff with lyle so um that was kind of just the themes going into development camp because with scott murray they it's pretty open communication, like what I'm doing out here with within the organization. I, I have a Zoom call with him tomorrow to go over some video and whatnot. So make sure he says hi. We say hi to him. Uh, of course. <laughs> and um, but yeah, there was nothing really specific coming out of that dev camp. It was just that's kind of that was just more part of the summer plan, you know. Right. Okay. So one last one, because we've kept you way longer than I said I would. But uh, I kind of had a hunch this might happen because I enjoyed the conversation so much when we met up in Kelowna. We even talked gear. So I'm not going to make you talk gear again today. I'm going to save that for our review. Bauer guy loves the mock, loves the glove. We'll leave it at that. Um, but I did want to ask a little bit about your work with Adam Francilia because that's what brings you to Kelowna um, initially. We'll see at Net360, the camp next week that, that Adam's a big part of and, and one of the co-sort of organizers of. What have you learned through him and the way he trains? I know we talked a little bit about sort of that, that getting your hips under you, neutral pelvis. What are some of the things you're working on now? And what are some of the takeaways maybe you share that have really, if they've changed your game or helped your game in terms of the way you set up sort of physically, uh, whether it's into a stance or just the way you train to set up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't even honestly know where to begin when it comes to to a friend i'm gonna get i'm just gonna put three thoughts together here and um we'll take three the 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 way to start it is every day i go into work with him i feel like i'm getting better as a goalie you know the movements we do we're working on parts of the body that 
would more or less get neglected um if otherwise we didn't do it you know we're doing a lot of primal movements it's just moving our bodies in different ways that would that kind of correlate to being on the ice where the big one is the counter rotation um whereas so like lots of guys will they'll push like let's say we're going that way we'll push to go that way but they'll leave this arm right and then that whole chain pulls you that way so to, so you're going to your right but you're moving to your left and see that's not really an efficient way to get to the right you know so the counter rotation was a big one um and then just overall just body strength the way we're moving and the way my joints can access strength in uncomfortable situations is pretty important as a goalie because you're not always going to be in your most ideal athletic stance to move across the net so being able to access points in your range of motion where it's not even your 100 percent range of motion and pulling power from that is quite a valuable skill when it comes to goaltending i find and um yeah just working on that yeah functional range of movement is is important and flexibility and building strength at the ends of your movements and it's all just been been incredible is is the is the best way i could put it too and and balance we do a lot of balance and just get on a swiss ball you know play around with it get on go on your knees like any young goalies out there just play around on a swiss ball it'll help get you stronger in your core and help counter rotation you know and yeah i feel like I mean, that, I, I, that's the best i could explain it there's so much i'm gonna i'm gonna there i know there's a ton but i'm gonna ask for one just because we discussed it a little bit before but that value of being able to sort of set the hips underneath you what a lot of people would call a neutral pelvis have you 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 find that makes a big difference in your game like has that been a big part of your development being able to do that in terms of the way it frees up other movement yeah for sure so with having your hips underneath you it's like you're hinging more with your body and not just your chest right because you don't want to just push your chest forward because then your head goes up and then you're looking down and then it's just a mess right so keeping your hips under you and you can hinge down it creates more of that elevator feel like when you're moving up and down so that your body's not moving you're not you're not moving up and down with your with your body yeah. you're moving up and down through like more your midsection and your legs and whatnot and so you can kind of stay more level and we were working on this today a little bit too but like when you're on your rvh you don't want to hunch down you have your and push your ass out in that rvh you want to be centered your hips underneath you and just go you just be able to drop down into it and use your legs and have your flexibility and your strength in that range of motion to not have to hinge forward and whatnot so with the hips underneath that's the biggest thing i find is i'm just a lot more level i don't have to move my body too much to to find a puck and access power to to move move one yeah so you're moving with your legs as opposed to a lot of guys sort of stick that as you said stick the ass backwards cut at the hips and drop the chest and that that sort of like you said, whether you're going to the ice off a release or trying to move east west, that complicates all of those things. Hundred percent. So, so yeah, having your hips underneath is definitely a 
helped helps with all of it. Honestly, I I had no idea until I got here really, and they were always people would talk about my stance, and I'd be like, Nah, it's fine. It's I'm I'm doing great. Like, don't worry about my hips. I'll be fine. I'm just gonna have to have surgery when I'm forty, but. Having your hips underneath definitely helps protect them a little bit too. So, yeah, you notice that, eh? That's interesting. I I think so. I mean, I definitely don't feel the strain on my hips as much when they're more underneath me. Um, you can kind of pull strength from your core more if your if your hips are underneath you. Um, which again helps with counter rotation. So, um, having that strong core and you can move with your core and pull with your core and stuff. So. That's kind of interesting also. Love it. I love it. Clay, I learned so much today. I enjoyed this conversation. I know that our audience is going to really enjoy this conversation. I appreciate you taking, like, we're almost at an hour here. I appreciate you taking out so much time. Just like this is an hour I saved you next week. I don't have to hit you up for another conversation when we're up in Kelowna. So uh, thank you so much one. for this. Yeah, yeah, we'll have lots. <laughs> we're going to have lots. You'll be tired of me by the, uh, it's a good thing you're going to the East Coast because you'll be sick of me by the time we get through that week. <laughs> Anyways, hey, thanks, man. I really enjoyed this. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. A lot in there. Uh, some really uh, heavy stuff. Uh, also some uh, academic uh, advice along with some just plain old strategy when what you're working on for your game because uh being able to survive this whole covid situation he's one of the first guys that we've talked to that's gone through that experience of being totally shut down and then come through it and sign a professional contract uh a, a lot of different areas that you touched in there yeah and you know some challenging times obviously for him he talked about as a 20 year old like he really jumped that 20 year old season like he was a sub 900 goaltender his first two years in the bchl all of a sudden just exploded with like a night i think it was like 935 936 like had a hell of a season and i you know to be honest I, I wasn't fully aware of the the background and the circumstances he went through that year in terms of losing his mom and you know i just thought there was a lot of open and honest conversation there with him um, you know, about how he managed that. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is take a look at a loss that tragic. I mean, I've been through it myself recently and I can't imagine having to go through it at that age. It was hard enough in my late forties to go through it, to, to see somebody have to go through it at that age. I would, I just, I can't even imagine it. And yet, and so you don't want to talk about like, oh, like what are the positives that came out of it? You learned how to focus yourself. Like that feels like such a, it feels like such a small part of it. And yet, his ability to manage all those things and sort of focus. But I loved his analogy about driving the car. That was amazing. Like just, there's just, yeah. yeah, so much there. The maturity with which he, he, he managed his decision uh, to go to Washington. I mean, you know, I joked about it, but honest to God, guys, like are any of us saying no when Henrik Lundqvist and the New York Rangers, like if you get the, you know, like I'm having a tough time with that one. And hey, Washington was up front with him. They're like, hey, like we're not going to promise you the moon. But here's a plan we have. And that plan might include you starting in the ECHL, you know, South Carolina Stingrays, not the American Hockey League, which other teams were promising. And he just liked the plan. He believed in the plan. He believed in the people behind it. And as he said, I think, um, I can't remember the word he used, but, you know, he wasn't, you know, the, he was looking for the steak. He wasn't looking for the sizzle. As much as he appreciated the sizzle and as honored as he was, and he talked about that conversation with Lundquist, 
you know, he was more interested in the plan. And that's ultimately, it sounds like, why he chose the Washington Capitals. I heard Arizona was also in the mix and Vancouver, which would be an interesting one. I don't know how, whether he got down the road of a full interview like he did with the Rangers and Capitals. But I mean, that's uh, that's significant given the backyard. Yeah, Vancouver and also Seattle, so yeah. Pacific Northwest as well. Evidently, we're, ev- we're really interested. Um, and as he said, like it sounded like by the time it was decision time, they had narrowed it down to New York and Washington. Those were the only two in-person visits. Uh, I hadn't heard Arizona, but not surprised by that. But for sure, like I can confirm Vancouver and Seattle were definitely interested. But like I said, uh, in terms of actual visits, it sounds like it was, you know, well, according to Clay himself, it was just those two teams where he kind of whittled it down and, um, good for him. Like, just like you said, there's so many guys we get to talk to that you come away as fans of them as people. And Clay Stevenson jumped to the, you know, up, up high on that list for me after getting to spend that one day with him, sort of just an hour on the ice, watching him work and then chatting in the locker room after, and then getting to do this interview. I can't wait to spend a week with him again next week up in Kelowna. Cause he's just, he's just an impressive young man. And when you hear the interview to me, I'm biased having done it, but you just, you hope for good things for the kid moving forward. Woody, I know you like the part about him not having a lot of goalie coaching, and, and, and I'm with you there too. But for me, one of the reasons I think he's going to have some success is he's never really had it easy. You know, he played double A as a Bantam player, or a U15 player. He did not play triple A hockey as a midget player. He, in the interview, told us he came that close to quitting hockey as a midget goaltender because things weren't going where he thought they might go. Then he went into junior B after that. Like if you're a parent or if you're a goaltender and you're frustrated because you see other people around you sort of being on all the big teams at all the big levels thinking maybe it's not for me. Um, here's a guy who hung on to his dream even when it came close to leaving him and really kept pushing. And, you know, even those first couple of years in the BCHL didn't go all that smoothly, as you said, Woody hung in there. And and now look what he's done. Great year in the BC, on to the NCAA, performed fantastic, and then and then got to have breakfast with Henrik Lundqvist and something else about signing an NHL contract. So uh, love seeing it happen because he's had to work so hard all the way. Nothing was handed to him, and I think that bodes well for the, the future. subject of hands. I want you guys to be honest, and I'm going to speak to everybody listening right now. I just can't hear you back right now, like I can Hutch and and Woody. Hands up. If you were like me when Clay and Woody were talking about glove position and he was giving the absolute uh, description to it, an example of it, and and he's holding up his hand and I'm holding up my hand, like fingers up, and I, I'm standing in my backyard in Las Vegas and doing the, doing the same thing going, what's he talking? Okay, now I can, now I can relate to him. It, that, was, that was a cool uh, segment of that conversation. It was so cool. We'd actually had a conversation on the ice that morning about glove position and what it's doing and how it's making it a little harder maybe to access certain pucks. And so to be able to come back and see this uh, ready for us to edit was really cool. And yeah, I loved it. Um, We don't really publish video of these things. I kind of wish we did because you could see Clay just getting into, I mean, in your mind, you can see Clay getting into Far more than just that as well. Um, fascinating. He's going to be great to hang out with next I'm week. jealous. You guys are going to have some fun. I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories, Woody. Well, c- come up and hang out, Derek. I'm going to Manitoba. I, I know. I, I, I'm going to go for some fun and some family. You guys are going to work. 
I don't want to get in the way of your work. It's our in goal family, and we're going to have I some fun. Be, trust me, we're, we're going to have some fun. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, Try yeah. and keep your tooth in, okay? Can you, can you do that? <laughs> there Come we on, go. Hey, uh, oh, that, that is a good... Uh, I got into that uh, over the course of the summer. That is, uh, that is outstanding. Uh, we've started talking about uh, all the benefits of uh, ingoalmag.com. Uh, let's finish with that uh, as we talk about uh, some of the stuff that's coming down the pipe. Uh, we've uh, got uh, the Net360 camp uh, certainly on the horizon, but uh, all the the material that's there right now. I hope you're not teeing up Woody for rent number five here, Darren. So I'm just going to jump in. Maybe he can calm himself down. There's all kinds of great stuff up at Ingle. Pro Reads, of course, as we mentioned, headlines it. Alex Nadelkovic talking about awareness. I thought this one actually was so cool because Woody quite often begins the pro reads by asking guys, at what point are you looking at the scenario and getting a feel for what's coming at you? He usually starts with the puck around the blue line. And in this one, Alex says, uh, can you rewind that a bit? Pass center. No, can you rewind it? And then he's got the puck down into the other end when he's talking about how he's understanding what's coming towards him and what that means. Thought that was so cool. He's really good at pro reads. Of course, we've got the the Jamie Phillips series. When does nutrition matter is the most recent one. I think we're going to have another one coming up in a week or so here. Uh, he's trying to deliver those every every few weeks for us. Um, there's a fantastic Jake Allen pro tip in there for one of those cool battle situations. And, uh, and of course, just so much more. Um, Curtis Sanford, new Maple Leafs goaltending coach with a couple of different drills in here. And as I said, often those pro drills have some really cool tips buried in them. Uh, strongly suggest you go check those out. There's just so much, everybody. Ingoldmag.com. Join us. Come be a member. Enough said. What do you got, Woody? Woody. Hey, nothing. That's Bye. great. Yeah. I don't even need to rant. Yeah. Go pack your bags. Kelowna's coming up. Make sure that you've got everything that you need. Golf balls, golf clubs, skates, batteries. A lot of golf batteries balls. for uh, the cameras and maybe the odd more golf balls recorder and golf balls. Yeah. Golf balls. And, and more. There's golf a balls. lot of, there's yeah. a lot of target golf up there. So I'm going to see if we can try and get us on uh, the harvest. Uh, Love the there, harvest. Cause that's a uh, little more wide open chance to sort of bombs away. And if you miss the fairway, you just happen to be among fruit trees, but you're not actually lost. So, um that appeals to me most intimidating tee shot especially right now most intimidating first tee shot i've ever had is in Kelowna, the first tee at gallagher's canyon because everybody's on the patio right behind you and everybody yep. seems to to watch that uh it is elevated tee shot spectacular uh so cool you feel like you're way better than you are because you've got an audience but it's also nerve-wracking man uh you guys have hey, some listen fun. the last time the last time we played gallagher's canyon and that tee shot, Darren, the foursome included Connor Hellebuck and Troy Grosnick. So you talk about intimidation. Try standing up on that tee with all those people watching you and two NHL goalies watching you as well. I think my knees might have shaken a little bit. And Helly's chirping you for sure. Yeah, Helly's like a, Helly's a low handicap, yeah. man. So like he stripes it down the middle and so is Grosnick. So yeah, I was out of my, I was definitely way over my head. Hey, you know, I got another goaltender. We should probably try and get an invite to net 364 just speaking of golf could help round out the foursome two-time major winner oh yes brooke henderson good call 
Yes, she is. She is. She is. She is an ex goalie. A very skilled goaltender. So, Brooke, if you're out there listening to the Ingold podcast or friends of Brooke, uh, we would love to have you uh, come join us on that the ice one day. Awesome. And then maybe teach Woody a few things. Honest, about like on, honestly, I actually covered an LPGA event before I went full time hockey. I used to cover golf as well. And actually covered one of Brooks' early events here in Vancouver at the Canadian Open. I think she was on a sponsor's exemption before mm-hmm. she turned pro. So she was a teenager at the time. So I've actually gotten to watch her play and just like spectacular how she hits it. So cool. Um, at, but like it would be cool to have her as a guest, right? Like yeah. how many times have we talked about like the way golf and, and goaltending and the swing is broken down and the mechanics of goaltending, like the synergies between those two sports. There we go. That's that's on the bucket list here. We need to have an actual ex-goalie pro golfer and how about a two-time major champion in Canadian Brooke Henderson? I think we got to try and make that happen. I'm on it, boys. Well, I was Can we get her to round out the foursome for the Vancouver Giants <laughs> golf tournament this fall? Wouldn't that be a get? I was with Lori Kane Lori. last week and we were talking about Brooke uh, oh, wow. at the Boys and Girls tournament in uh Prince Edward Island, Summerside. So, uh I'll, I'll reach out to Lori and see if we can get Brooke uh, on the program because Lori's become a pretty cool We friend. take that Lori Kane awesome. too. Lori Kane's an absolute legend. I had the pleasure of meeting her once or twice and uh, she would not remember, but just as a like tiny little journalist asking questions, she was, uh, she was a hell of a golfer. He is a hell of a golfer too. So like Darren had to one up us no, there. No, I'm just like, going to say, we're talking like, we're talking like, Hey, wouldn't it be great no. if we could? And he's like, yeah, I just happen to be playing with one of the greatest Canadian golfers. And then, the world and then tire walked in the room and it was like, uh, it was, it was really cool. No, uh, honestly, uh, Lori's become <laughs> a, a pretty good friend. So, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's see if we can make that, uh, that happens. One of the cool things about Prince Edward Island. We always chirp about uh, a road trip to visit you in Vegas. I'm now thinking I'm going to come see you in the summer in, in Prince Edward Island because she's one of the greatest people around. She is uh, salt of the earth. Uh, thanks for listening. A uh, really cool conversation with Clay Stevenson, as well as the gear segment over at the Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Cam, we're back to normal as we work our way towards mid-August on In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>